0: But you can't lose if you don't play. I always heard that you can't win if you don't play.
1: The department puts you in a case it doesn't want. You're giving people that are useless or untrustworthy. Correct. If you push too hard and any shit hits the fam, you'll be blamed for it. Correct. If you don't push hard enough and there's no arrest, you'll be blamed for that too. Correct. The game is rigged. But you cannot lose if you do not play.
2: All right, we are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Motry, coming uh, to you on this wonderful Monday. Um, Where I am is a very beautiful day, and I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing with you Uh, what I have discovered. A lot of my conversations with you are uh, me delivering to you my discoveries of things that have been delivered to me. I tend to pour out to you what has been poured out to me. I allow information to come to me and then I study it. And then from that information, I decide for myself what I believe to be most poignant, most truthful, and what we can use to elevate the culture around us. If this is your first time here, I welcome you. Uh, Thank you for those who have been rocking with us from the very beginning. If you're someone who's been around for a while, but not the beginning, we appreciate you as well. This is Black Equity Podcast, where we are studying uh, what it takes to create this thing that we call Black Equity a equitable society, a fair society, and one where people are allowed to grow and prosper and do God's will and have independent thought to be able to think independently for themselves and make financial decisions, investment decisions, personal decisions on their own and not to worry about any outside noise. That being said. We just heard a really great quote from the show The Wire. Now, a couple weeks ago, um, it came out that it was a 20-year anniversary of The Wire. And there was all these different think pieces on it. And I wanted to kind of take time out and look at those. It's probably a top five show for me. I know I always say there is no top. Uh, So if there's a better way to say it, it's one of the... Five best shows, maybe, is a better way to say it without using the word top. And the reason why I love it so much is it's really, it really speaks to my heart because it's, it's studying society. It's studying Baltimore. But you can really take this and almost put it in any city. But it's studying Baltimore. And we start off the show on The Wire on HBO, for those who don't know we start off looking at maybe the the criminal element and also the police department. But by the time you get to the end of season five, you didn't went through so many different uh, signs of things. You didn't went through the loading docks, you didn't went through the educational system, the political system uh, and everything else woven in it. Obviously the first season you're looking at drugs and really drugs is throughout. So, there's a lot of different industries and different focuses that it takes you, but it, it basically keeps the same story of the, these different people and the, the trials and tribulations in which they face. The quote that we're hearing here is Marla Daniels. And I want to get into this quote. I want to really dive into it, but before we do that, I think we should have some context to who Marla Daniels is. So When we look at The Wire, I want to look at who are the top 10 characters on The Wire. And for those who don't know, I will be sipping all my coffee during the conversation. So if you hear me sip, it is what it is. It will not be edited out. I don't believe, let's address it. I see a lot of podcasts in the game. YouTube in the game. And it's perfectly edited, the lighting is perfect, everything is just perfect, and then the information is wrong. And what I vow to do is just give it to you raw, uncut, untampered with, and then let you decide if what you're picking up is truth or not. But once you start editing things and making things look shiny and new and all this other stuff, sometimes, it can trick someone's mind into believing that what they're looking at is real and it's not. There's no, there's no blemishes. There's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. That's how you know. If something is crisp and clean and perfect and never been, no, no. And that's why I think people like the wire because it's not perfectly clean and cut and all the characters all shiny and new. No, each character for the most part, has their own flaws. They have things about them that you probably don't even like, which makes you actually like them more because it's real. Nothing worse than a show where everybody has the perfect hair, the perfect body, the perfect prototype. I I always tune away from those shows because I'm like, man, this is not going to be the second season. They just—they throw a whole bunch of beautiful actors and actresses in the show. Everybody's just so attractive. The hair is everywhere. And then before you know it, you're bored by the show because it was all smoke and mirrors. There was no depth to it. The Wire has depth. Let's look at some of these characters. So we have uh, the website. Let's see. What's the name of the website? ScreenRant.com. They have listed the top 10 characters ranked. Okay.
0: I think this will be important for us to understand the conversation that we're going to have today. Okay. So on here, number 10
2: is a, a guy by the name of Bubbles. And by the way, if you haven't seen The Wire, watch it. it's 20 years now. It's ranked, arguably, many people call it number one. I just throw it in the the greatest five. That way we don't have to argue too much. Right? There are shows that have come, and it's like, oh, you know, it has an opportunity, like Snowfall. I thought Snowfall could get there, but then that last season they had, I don't know, we'll see. Snowfall had the opportunity, though. So let's keep going. So Bubbles... Uh, they say he has a top character, would be disrespectful in a few ways. His character was just as important as the dealers, politicians, journalists, and cops. So why are they saying that, right? So the best way to describe Bubbles, I don't want to say he's homeless, but it's kind of a difficult way to describe it. I'm sure that somebody has written it up, but how would I describe Bubbles? I would say he's a he's a he's a drug addict. Well, see, that's the thing about the wire is nobody's just one person. Bubbles may arguably be the smartest one of the smartest people on the show. And so what you lead with, well, he's a drug addict.' Don't, no, it's not quite that simple. Let me say this. Bubbles is uh, very intelligent, for the most part kind-hearted uh he understands the streets he often works with the cops to be a uh lookout or a private uh what's they call it a ci whatever ci stands for i can't remember uh but basically like an investigator on the street uh so he can help out some of the cops some would argue sometimes he's homeless. Um, some would say he's a thief. Sometimes he's stealing things to sell them in order to get money to get high or get food or whatever it may be. He may be stealing food. Some would say he's just a street bomb. So you can decide for yourself when you watch the show who he is. But they have him here at number 10. Oh, see, it says Bubbles went from stealing copper to selling t-shirts and socks and being locked in the sister's basement to rehab. The loss of his friend Sherrod changed his outlook on life. He was, not the, he was not the one selling drugs, but Bubble's story was one that many in the inner city could relate to. Okay? So he's not a drug dealer, he's a drug user. Number nine is Wee Bay Bryce. Um, Bay was the muscle, the shooter, and one that looked at life and knew there was nothing more to it than that. Um, than what was happening in the Baltimore streets. Bay ran the streets like a trained member of some military task force. As deadly as he was, he was funny too with his facial expressions and one-liners. So how would I describe WeBay? I would say he's very street wise. If it comes to the streets, he understands the streets. Just barely anyone who would understand the streets better than Weebay. And I guess you could say he was he worked with the drug dealers. I don't know if he specifically was dealing the drugs. He was making sure and protecting the people that were dealing the drugs. He was a soldier in that world. And what you'll come to find out is he has to make some really tough decisions by the end of the show um, dealing with his son. So Weebe is number nine here. Number eight is Slim Charles. Slim Charles is one of those other soldiers. Slim can be described as a loyal soldier. He started off as muscle for Avon and Stringer Bell, but then offered uh, that same service to rival Marlowe when Av- Avon, and Stringer's grip, uh, Avon and Stringer's grip on the city fell. It wasn't betrayal. Slim understood the code of survival in the streets and did what he thought was necessary. Okay, so that's who Slim Charles is, another soldier within the gang. Okay. Next is Jim Anote. He is a detective. We'll see what they say about him. His drinking habits were a bit extreme and his personal life was a complete mess, but he got the job done. Mistakes were bound to happen given the way he conducted his plans, but in the end, he was one of the best at what he did. And so he is a detective, uh, worked on homicide, worked on the streets, and he's one of those people who's trying to get the drug dealers or try to lock them up. So it's kind of a game of cat and mouse uh, for those who have never watched the show who understand uh, cop shows, right? Then you have Michael Lee at number six. Uh, the surprise of The Wire when season four hit, it changed the show. Once focused on the streets, then the distribution, and then the political side, The Wire truly hit home in season four of the public school system. What that did was introduce viewers to cast members like Michael. Mike never wanted anyone to see or hear him coming. His personality and the way he carried himself made Marlowe want him on his team. Mike was smart, calculating and determined. Mike's biggest hurdle was that he never saw more in himself. So you have Mike, uh, Michael, and he starts off as this this kid in the school system, and he knows he needs to uh, protect his family and do things to get things done. He ends up selling some drugs. He ends up potentially being muscle for some of the drug dealers, and you get to watch his story unfold. It's interesting because on the first season, first three seasons, most people are already in the game. And so you're already seeing how they've matured already. You've, you meet them in the game. Michael's story shows you how he got in the game. And so that's a very interesting point of view. And this will all hopefully make sense for those who are looking for understanding why we're going through this, Okay. Number five, Stringer Bell. You probably see a familiar face here for those watching on Spotify. Um, Stringer Bell could be standing right next to you and would never know he was a crime boss. He was that smooth. He spoke directly and would let his intentions be known. But what set Bell apart was from the others was that he wanted more out of life. He owned real estate, went to school, lived in a nice apartment, and dressed the part of a businessman. When others looked at him for guidance, Stringer directed as a teacher and not a dictator. He came up with the idea of the co-op to make sure everyone ate. Okay, so my interpretation of Shrinka Bell, very
0: similar. Um, would you know he was a crime boss if you were standing next to him? Hmm. Maybe not. I mean, would you know anyone was a crime boss? So I'm not
2: sure what that would mean. But he, the way they depicted his, his story, his character, I'd rather say. He was uh, very detailed, very intellectual, and he had a bigger vision. I just think he might have been playing the wrong game. Number four: Avon Barksdale. In the beginning, there was only one king, Avon Barksdale. Although he had a partner to ring a bell, it was clear Avon called the shots. Avon was no one's fool, but his power also came from muscle. Uh, like he says, I, I, I just, I'm just a, a gangster, I suppose. I will always be, that will always be a defining moment in the wire history. Okay, so that's number four, Avon. Um, so he's a, 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 a boss of a, a drug cartel. I'm not sure if it's the a cartel, but basically he's the boss of this, this family that has built an empire in Baltimore off of drugs. Okay. Oh, here. Also, Avon knew how to rule with power. The reason for, this, for his downfall was that he continued to rule as if he had something to prove. He never saw the world the way Stringer did. Still, his character spoke volumes to viewers and will go down as a solid leader. Okay. Number three, Marlo Stanfield. A new hustler on the scene changed the way Baltimore was run. After Avon went to prison, Marlo took center stage. While the others were busy forming the co-op, Marlo continued to build his empire alone. A soft-spoken guy. He did his bidding with brute force. He was able to take over corners with his own muscle, but was so smooth that he also enlisted some dealers from the Broxdale clan. clan. Broxdale was smart, but Marlow was intelligent. Just look at the last few moments of the series finale. His whole team is in cell, and only Marlow Marlo gets out. At the same time, where is Abel? Okay, So number two, Brody. Brody was an, another loyal soldier. Even when he had to join forces with Marlowe, Bodie wasn't feeling it. He just knew it was part of the game and the rules of survival. Unlike Slim, Bodie didn't have to put in any work. His job was to make sure the corner ran smoothly. His death was a hard pill for fans to swallow, or to follow. Bodie didn't have much in life, but he protected and respected his corner. Unlike most in the life, Bodie understood how the game was changing and didn't like it. He gave his life fighting for a corner that
0: was really never his to begin with. All right, number one, Omar Little. How did the most ruthless of the cast
2: become the most beloved? It didn't hit home how important the show or or, or Omar was until his death. Omar was the neighborhood stick-up guy who robbed drug dealers but did so with a code. Fear didn't exist for him. Everyone was afraid of Omar. He snitched on the stand. Never wore a mask and walked the streets as if he didn't do a thing on a show about drugs and the effects they have on a community. Omar Little stood out the most. All right, so those are your top 10 characters from The Wire based off of Screen Rant, ScreenRant.com. Shout out to
0: ScreenRant. Um, check out more of their work, right? So then, if those are the top 10 characters, why are we hearing from Marla
2: Daniels? She wasn't even mentioned.
1: But you can't lose if you don't play. Always heard that you can't win if you don't play. The department puts you in a case it doesn't want. You're giving people that are useless or untrustworthy. Correct. If you push too hard and any shit hits the fam, you'll be blamed for it. Correct. If you don't push hard enough and there's no arrest, you'll be blamed for that, too. Correct. The game is rigged, but you cannot lose if you do not play.
2: So there, Marla Daniels is talking to her at the time, her husband, uh, Lieutenant Daniels. I'm not sure what position he had at the time, but he's a cop and he's trying to move up within the ranks with within the police department. And his wife, Marvel Daniels, is giving him some game here. And she's saying, yo, the game is rigged, but you cannot lose if you do not play. I would argue it's probably the most important quote on the wire out of all five seasons. Of course, you know, that's subjective, right?
0: I would argue it's the most important quote. But she's not listed in the top 10. Let's look at this. Let's look at this top 10 one more time. Bubbles. Towards the end, for the
2: most part, he goes through all his trials and tribulations and uh, gets rehabbed. And he might be on this straight and narrow now by the end of the show. Weebe, at the time that we leave him in the show, he's in jail, and he's probably in jail
0: for life. Slim Charles, he... Ooh, was, I can't remember. Is Slim...
2: I think Slim is still alive, if my memory serves me correctly. i have to look it up. Um, but he definitely got... He definitely went through a lot. Yeah, he's alive because... He's trying to buy the connect from Marlowe at the end. So he's trying to get into the game so he can potentially be his own Marlowe or his own Yvonne Barksdale. So he's trying to position himself into that. And we all know where that could potentially you. Jim McNulty, uh, he's being shipped all around the different departments. More than likely, they're going to get rid of him. Uh, A matter of fact, at the end, I think he's retiring uh, from the police department. Um, so did he really win? Michael Lee, he's he's going off and uh, now going to be one of those soldiers and when we look at some of these other soldiers, we know where that potentially can lead you. Sringer Bell, he
0: is deceased by the end of the show, as smart as he is, Avon is in jail. Marlow just got out of jail. He says, well, I'm not going to go back to the streets. The last time we see him,
2: he goes back to the streets. So who knows where that's gonna lead him. Bodie, they told you in the description, he's dead by the end of the show. Omar Little, they told you in the description, he's dead by the end of the show.
0: And for the longest time,
2: I would say Omar Little is my
0: favorite character from the wire. Because in the, in the grand scheme of things, he has the best, he has the best lines long
2: term. So every scene, he's, he's giving you game, he's showing you something, he, and he's looking at the game from a different angle. And I would always say, that's the best character. And it makes sense. I mean, everybody has him listed number one. He's the reason why people are tuning in. He's, he's really good. And uh, rest in peace uh, to Michael K. Williams, the actor who plays Omar Little, who uh, actually passed away in real life as well. So why do I go through those 10 again? Because for the most part, all 10 of these people lose. We love these characters. We, they're beloved. They're, we, we cherish them. We got them in our top 10. You can't really argue with any of them. There's probably some other characters I could slide in and say, no, nah, that person, person could probably be in the top 10. But all of these people, for the most part, lose in some way or form or some shape or form. right? But there's only one person that I know of in the entire game who didn't lose. The, the entire time that they were there.
1: But you can't lose if you don't play. I always heard it that you can't win if you don't play. The department puts you in a case it doesn't want. You're giving people that are useless or untrustworthy. Correct. If you push too hard and any shit hits the fan... You'll be blamed for it. Correct. If you don't push hard enough and there's no arrest, you'll be blamed for that too. Correct. The game is rigged,
0: but you cannot lose if you do not play. Marla Daniels. Who is she? And why is she giving us the best line
2: out of the whole series, in my estimation? Right. So let's pull up Marla Daniels. She is a councilwoman for the 11th district of Baltimore City and the ex-wife of Cedric Daniels, which is the gentleman she was just talking to in the show. Now, someone could argue that maybe she lost because now they got divorced. Guess that's a, a loss. But more than likely, that was the best thing for her. No offense. Marla always had ambitions for her husband to progress in the police force, and his failure to do so contributed to the demise of their relationship. Ooh, that's what they have as a background. This is thewire.fandom.com. And they break down each season. Okay? And they talk about how on the first season, she's trying to get her husband to rise up. Her husband, Cedric, seemed a likely candidate to receive a promotion when he was assigned to run the controversial Barksdale Detail. Marlowe advised Cedric to build a case his superiors were demanding, quick, simple, low-level buzz, but he is pushed uh, to more elaborate investigative work by the detectives he commanded. He also met a drive, driver for Senator Clay Davis while attending a function she dragged him to, which turns out to be important for the investigation. I'll say this, at the time that she says, you cannot
0: lose if you do not play, you know what her husband decides to do? Play. He says back to her, well, I heard you can't win if you don't play. Can't lose either. And so now we have a tale of two worlds. Do you play the game and go for the win? Or do you not play and don't lose? I wanna, I wanna explore something here. What does a council person do?
2: What does a council person do? We're looking at a council person definition. She's a councilwoman for the 11th district in
0: Baltimore. So, what does a, what does a council person do? Councilperson duties authorized to
2: organize and reorganize city government, except when expressively prevented by other laws. The council can create, change, abolish, and consolidate offices, offices positions, departments, boards, commissions, and agencies uh, to promote orderly and efficient administrative uh, city affairs. Uh, the role of a council member, provide leadership and guidance to community, facilitate communication between community and the council, determine policy, planning for the future, manage assets, governing finances, reviewing policies, attend meetings.
0: Let's look at this for a second. Marla Daniels says you cannot lose if you do not play.
2: Cedric Daniel says, I heard, you can't win if you don't play.
0: So then here is the Here's the question for this episode. What game are you currently playing? And is it worth going for the win? What game are you currently playing? And is it worth it to go for the win?
2: Was it worth it that Cedric Daniels went for the win? I mean, if he doesn't go for the win, we don't have a show. So many would argue, well, yeah, of course, he got the wire. But if you watch at the end, Cedric Daniels ends up getting out of the game. He does what he was called to do. And of course, that takes years out of his life. And they got some things accomplished. But the game just reinvented itself. (laughs) By the time he gets out, now you got Slim Charles about to take over. You got Marlowe back on the street. I mean, the game is always going to be there. And then you see him decide to go towards, I believe he goes towards being a lawyer. And he leverages his uh, background in the police force to now look at being more of a, on the legal side. And he plays a different game. So the thing that his, at the time, his wife was telling him, you cannot lose if you don't play. What she wasn't saying is don't play a game.
0: What she says, for the most part, is don't play that game. And so the question I'm asking, Black equity listeners, what game are you playing? Are you playing your game? Or are you playing somebody else's game? Let's look at this. I posted a, I posted a video on our Black Equity Instagram, Black Equity Network Instagram, okay? And it was actually about fishing. And there's this guy who's, there's there's, there's this guy who's fishing, Here we go. There's this guy who's fishing. And where did it go? There it is right there. Okay. So if you're on Spotify, you can see the video. I'm
2: not going to play it because I don't want to play the music that goes with it on the podcast. Okay. Um, But he throws out a rod and these fish, some argue that those are sharks but there's some
0: type of fish in the sea and they go running towards the bait. And I put up here on the description, there are some who chase bags and others who fill up the bags to make other people chase them. Here's a question I have, and we're gonna go through this thing. We're gonna slow walk this. When people say I'm chasing the bag or I'm gonna go get the bag, I always wonder, how come no one ever says, who put the bag there to go back to the wire, the police department? We're going to get these drug dealers. Oh, really? Who put the drugs there? Oh, we're going to take down those people who are shooting people. Who put the guns there? We're always going after the thing and not the hand. Who,
2: back to Instagram, for those who are on Spotify, who put the bait there? The fish don't care. They just want the food that happened to fall from the sky. They're not even questioning where this
0: food came from. They're just going to go run after the bait. And that's what a lot of people do. They're going to go chase bags. Who put the bag there? Right? There are those who run after the bait and others who leverage and prepare the bait. My question to you is whose game are you playing? Many people will throw bait at you so then you go run and go take care of something. Or I got to go do this because it's there. Who put the bait there? There are those who earn their position and there are those who create the position for others to earn.
2: Right? You got this guy, Lieutenant Daniels, and he's trying to become whatever. sergeant. I'm not sure how the positions work. he's trying to get to the highest level within the police department. Who
0: put the positions there? Who put the bait there? Who put that game in front of them? Who put the drugs in the community? Who put the guns in the community? Who's doing these things? That way, when you ask that question, you don't go on a wild goose chase. I believe there's many people who are
2: playing a game that somebody else created. As soon
0: as a little bit of bait goes into the water, they go running. Oh, we got to go get this. We got to go do this. We got we to go get them. Who put it there? Let's ask that before we go running anywhere. Who? Where did this game come from? I'll take myself for example.
2: There's this thing called the black podcast space, the black wealth
0: podcast space, the black influencer space. And people are chasing after
2: bags. Oh, we gotta go get this advertiser and that person well, we got to do this. If I'm the podcast king, and I can go over here, and I can do this. And ooh, look
0: what I can do over here. And ooh, I can let. Who put YouTube there? A, I got, I got a million viewers on YouTube. Who put YouTube there?
2: What are the current restrictions on YouTube? If you put YouTube content on YouTube, do they own it forever?
0: Did you read the disclaimers in description or did you just chase the bait? Who put it there? Oh, I got a million viewers on Instagram. Who put it there? Oh, you know, I was able to get this sponsor from over... Who put it there? You cannot lose the game if you do not play. Follow me here. What is a game? That's what we're going to look
2: at now. Because she says the game is rigged.
0: What is a game?
2: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. For those who are on Spotify, we're going to deep dive. This is one of those episodes where it's super nerdy.
0: We better dive into the psychology of it. Who put the game there?
2: Game, a form of play or sport, especially a competitive one played according to rules decided by skill, strength or luck.
0: Who put the rules there? Who decides these rules? Two, a complete episode or period of play ending in a
2: definite result. Manipulate typically in a way that is unfair or unscrupulous. Wait, one part of a game is a sport with rules. And another part of a definition of game is to manipulate a situation.
0: So when you are playing someone else's game, you got manipulated. Are you following me here? Are my, are my Black Equity
2: listeners following me? When, when that guy throws the bait out there, he begins the game. I'm going to throw this bait out here. And here are the rules. If you eat this bait and you, and you get sucked into my bait, I have a fishing rod. And if you are on that fishing rod, I can reel you in. And if I reel you in good enough and put you on my boat, I can take you home and cook you. Those are the rules. The game. And if you get off the bait, you get get home free. You ready to play? And all the fish say, "Yeah!" But they don't
0: even know the rules. All they see is the bait. I would say, in the influencer space, people are putting out a bait. I have three hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. Do you want me to feature your company? Do you want me to tell our audience to follow you, support
2: your brand? Yeah, play my game.
0: Whose
2: rules do I have to play by by playing that? And what are those rules? And if I don't do what you say to do, will you copy me? Will you take my information and do it yourself? well when i'm sitting there in the interview with you are you taking that information and deciding to manipulate that you know that's what the rules of the game say or i'm sorry the definition of the game manipulate a situation typically in a way that is unfair or unscrupulous
0: so when you play a game if it's unfair that means there's no equity If you're playing, if you create a game and you set all the rules, for the most part, it's unfair. Although the participants will see it as fair as long as they agree to them. So if you play a game, what many people will do is if they play a
2: game that is unfair, they will call the game something to make you think that it is fair.
0: Who put the game there? That's what I want you to ask yourself. And this goes for every industry.
2: This goes for every nook and cranny industry out
0: there. What game are you playing? Whose game are you playing? And is it a fair game? By definition, Most games are not fair.
2: They just have the appearance of fairness. It's in the definition. Manipulate a situation typically, typically, in a way that is unfair or unscrupulous. What does unscrupulous mean? This is one of of my favorite type of episodes here. Because we get to go down a rabbit hole. We get to go down a rabbit hole of information and see where it takes us live, unscrupulous, having or showing no moral principles, not honest
0: or fair, what is moral?
2: (laughs) Because what I want you to know before you step into a game is who are these people? Moral, concern with principles of right and wrong.
0: So when I take that bait and I throw it out into the ocean, one would argue that I'm playing a game
2: that is morally not right because they don't even know that the consequences
0: of taking that bait is my life. Do you you follow where I'm going with this? But you can't
1: lose if you don't play.
0: I always heard it that you can't win if you don't
1: play. The department puts you in a case it doesn't want. You're giving people that are useless or untrustworthy. Correct. If you push too hard and any shit hits the fam, you'll be blamed for it. Correct. If you don't push hard enough and there's no arrest, you'll be blamed for that too. Correct. The game is rigged. But you cannot lose if you do not play.
0: So where does this take us? Right? Where does this take us? Here's where it takes us. If the game is rigged, what does rigged mean? Oh, I
2: love this. I love this because we get to explore thought. Rigged. Make ready for sailing. So that's not the one we're looking for. See, we want the full rigged. Assemble, adjust. Oh, here it is. Set up typically hastily or in a makeshift fashion. What is the meaning of rigged? Oh, here it is. The game is rigged, she says. The game is rigged. The game is rigged means it's manipulated or controlled by deceptive or dishonest means. A rigged election, for example. Rigged is defined as something in the proper order for use or as something that is fixed in a dishonest way to guarantee the desired outcome. Marla Daniels is saying the game is rigged, the game is rigged, and the game she's referring to is the
0: police department. She should know. She's the councilwoman.
2: She's, just, she's not talking about, she don't work off in the restaurant industry and she has no idea what she's talking about, and she's just making up some stuff and making it sound cool. She's a councilwoman. She sets policies in, the, in that city. The game is rigged, she's telling him. Yet, he decides to play. The game is rigged, she says. Well, how does that relate to Black Equity Podcast? How does that relate to the wealth gap? How does that relate to anything? If the game is rigged, And you can't lose if you don't play. How do we
0: utilize that for our own use? Mm. So we have a
2: video
3: here that I want you to watch. Inflation is legalized counterfeiting. Counterfeiting is criminalized inflation. (laughs) This this is not my opinion. This is, in fact, mechanically how it works. Um, And in the piece you're referring to Masters and Slaves of Money, I wrote about this debacle in 16th century Western Africa where they were using glass beads as money. And I think this inflation... Is legalized counterfeiting?
2: Inflation is legalized
0: counterfeiting. Counterfeiting is criminalized inflation. This is said by a gentleman by the name
2: of Robert Brelove. He wrote a book called Masters of Money, Masters and Slave of Money. He actually gave a really great talk, Brie Love's class presentation on Masters and Slaves of Money at Bitblock Boom.
0: Let's dive into just a little bit of what he had to say at this conference. We're letting the video pull up here.
3: Uh, My name is Robert Breedlove. I'm here to talk to you guys today about masters and slaves of money. This is an essay that I recently published on Medium, so I hope you'll get the chance to check it out. So, money is a tool for trading human time. Central banks are the modern era masters of money. They wield this tool as a weapon to inflict wealth inequality by stealing time. History shows us that the corruption of monetary systems leads to moral decay, social collapse, and slavery. As the temptation to manipulate money has always proven to be too strong for mankind to resist, the only antidote to this poison is an incorruptible money, Bitcoin. So to explain that a little bit, I'm going to start in history and I'll bring it forward to the Fed today. So in ancient Western Africa, there was a form of money called agri beads, which you guys may have read about in the Bitcoin standard. Uh, This was a small glass bead money that was used for centuries in Western Africa. And when European explorers appeared in Africa in the 16th century, it was quickly apparent to them that these small glass beads were very valuable to locals. So since glassmaking tech was uh, primitive in Africa, beads were reliably scarce to other goods and services, which gave them a monetary property that supported their value in the marketplace. Back in Europe, however, glassmaking tech was much more sophisticated, and counterfeit glass beads virtually identical to, gla- to beads, could be mass-produced at a low cost. Seizing this economic opportunity, many crafty Europeans soon began arranging, arranging expeditions from Western Africa, shipping in huge quantities of indistinguishably counterfeit agri-beads into Africa. Uh, and th- these were basically just counterfeit beads fashioned back in Europe that they shipped into Africa. So as European ships arrived on African shores many hulls, with holes packed full of glass beads, locals readily traded their hard-earned assets for these counterfeit glass beads. And later, agribeads would become known as slave beads, because as these newly impoverished African locals became desperate, some of them were forced to sell themselves or others into slavery as a result. So agribeads became known as slave beads, which were one of history's many monetary systems weaponized by counterfeiters um, because they were instrumental in the multi-century transatlantic slave trade. You have this gentleman Brie
2: Love who wrote the wrote a I believe he has a book, he at least has a, a concept called the Masters of, uh, and Slaves of Money. And it popped up on my social media over the weekend. And he talks about how counterfeiting is legalized. I'm sorry, inflation is legalized counterfeiting, and counterfeiting is criminalized inflation. And then I began to really trying to figure out, well, how does that relate to me? Right? My job is to dissect this information and figure out how it relates to me. How does that then serve my overall definite purpose? And then how do I give that information back to you, the listener? My job is to interpret information the best way I know how and bring clarity to the people who
0: listen to it. And then how does that relate to Marla Daniels saying, the game is rigged. And you cannot lose if you do not play. Keep in mind, she's talking about the police department.
2: She didn't say don't play at all. She even later says in that same conversation, why "Don't you, why don't you go play a different game? So my question to you is, what game are you playing?
0: Whose game are you playing? And is it worth winning? Let's take a a deeper dive into what this gentleman was saying.
2: We're going to scoot up to the six-minute mark of this conversation.
3: And I want
0: you to hear this part.
3: are engaging in a form of slavery by stealing time incrementally from the users of money through counterfeiting operations. This unfreedom in the market for money also afflicts social morality, because as Rothbard said, to be moral, an act must be free. Free actions can come only from sovereign individuals. Sovereignty itself, the word, refers to the locus of supreme, supreme power in the sphere of human action. Uh, Very simply, sovereignty refers to your ability to act in the world as you see fit. And according to natural law, sovereignty inheres within the individual as each person must consciously decide what actions to take regardless of what forces they face in the world. And so in this sense, an inner sanctum of sovereignty's generative source lives within all of us in this inviolable space called the Logos. And the Logos is a Greek word that actually means word or ratio. And the Logos is the defining feature of humanity. Our ability to tell and believe stories like money, nation states, human rights. This is what separates man from animal. And at the foundation of Western civilization today is the precept that the sovereignty of the individual is held higher than the sovereignty of the state. And this is is an embodied belief in principles such as habeas corpus the presumption of innocent until proven guilty, and freedom of speech rights. And as George Orwell once said, if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. An inability to speak the truth with words or to prove others wrong in the marketplace with prices is the death of liberty.
2: You need to listen to this full presentation. Of course, the link will be in the show notes. He just said something there that is a mind blower. I'm going to go back
3: 30 seconds. Listen again. And freedom of speech rights. And as George Orwell once said, if liberty means anything at all, it means the right to tell people what they do not want to hear. An inability to speak the truth with words or to prove others wrong in the marketplace with prices is the death of liberty. As the 20th century so painfully taught us, Restricting the Logos is a slippery slope toward totalitarianism.
2: The inability to be able to speak your truth within itself does not, does not allow freedom.
0: My question to you, my friends, who's trying to silence you? Who's pretending that your voice doesn't matter? Who
2: is trying to steal your identity? Who is trying to make sure that nobody knows that you exist?
0: Those people are afraid of your power. But here's what I've realized. The people who do that, you're now playing
2: my game. And for the listeners, they are now playing your game. If you have people afraid of what you will say, afraid of what you will do, afraid of how you'll spend your money, afraid of where your money will go, where they will try to dictate, manipulate, throw bait. See, instead of trying to catch that fish that we looked at earlier or might have been a shark type creature instead of going straight up one-on-one you have to trick that fish instead of just doing this for those who want to see the video uh head over to uh, spotify i'm going to show you another video where you don't have to trick anything You ain't got to confuse anything. You ain't got to steal no one's identity. You ain't got to do nothing. You could just be you. But most people are scared to be themselves. So they have to pretend to be more important than what they really are. So we're going to go on Instagram. We're going to go to Black Equity Network. And we're going to look at the last video that we posted, at least at this time, uh, of recording. And I'm going to show you a different way to fish. And I believe there's two, there's two choices here. Will you throw the
0: rod and trip the game? Or will you make it all come to you? Now, if you look at this video, I'm not going to
2: play the sound because it has music. And I don't want to put the music on the podcast,
0: but don't want no drama. Okay all these fish are jumping in the boat. He found fish that were willing to jump in the boat. He didn't have to trick anything. They came to him. When you operate with
2: true abundance, you don't have to throw out baits. You don't have to steal anything. You don't have to trick anything. You don't have to have a fancy uh, brand name that gets people to say, oh, that's what I want to do. Like you don't have to do all that. No bells and whistles. When you have a true, when you're on a true calling over your life, you ain't got to do none of the extraness. You just are. And the people who want to operate within that frequency will jump on and the people who do not want to operate in that frequency will jump out and i encourage you to play this game this seems very fair i'm going to ride down the river and whoever wants to come with me can come with me and whoever doesn't want to come with me they don't have to come with me here's the difference though within the both these two of these videos one is in the ocean One is in a river. Rivers turn into oceans. Oceans don't turn into rivers for the most part.
0: A lot of people will use the ocean to attract their bait.
2: So what they do is they build up their YouTube channel. They build up their Instagram. They build, they'll build, build, build and they'll create an ocean. And then when the ocean comes, they throw out a little bit of a bait and then somebody will come along, eat that bait and they reel them in and the person had no idea what the true
0: intentions were. In a river, <laughs> the river is narrow. There was nothing built up to impress you. It's it's narrow, it's curvy, and it keeps moving. It's not there to impress you. It's there to get a job done.
2: It's there to move what it needs to move, to get to what it needs
0: to get to. That's what Rivers do. I want to ask you again. What game are you playing? Whose game are you playing? In the video, it talked about trading your time. That's how he opens it up. Let's look at the
3: first minute again. A medium, so I hope you'll get the chance to check it out. So money is a tool for trading human time. Central banks are the modern era masters of money. They wield this tool as a weapon to inflict wealth inequality by stealing time.
2: They steal time. That's their game. The ultimate game that's currently happening in the marketplace is who is stealing your time. That's how you'll know who are the masters and who are the slaves. If they're stealing your time, there's this really great book called Outwitting the Devil. By Napoleon Hill. And in that book, Napoleon Hill has a conversation with what he perceives to be the devil. People argue that it's not really the devil, it's just an imagination. You can do that on your own time, right? We'll go with the premise that, okay, he's interviewing the devil. And in the interview, he's forcing the devil to have to tell the truth. And then he asks this question among many questions. He says, question what is that a power of independent thought backed by definite of purpose the devil says teach the students how to budget and use time and above all teach the truth that time is the greatest asset available to human beings and the cheapest Teach the student the basic motives by which all people are influenced and show how to use these motives in acquiring the necessities and luxuries of life. Teach what to eat, how to eat, and what is the relationship between proper eating and sound health. So let's go back to this first part. This is Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. How to outwit the devil. Teach the students how to budget and use time and above all, teach the truth that time is the greatest asset available to human beings and the cheapest. Teach the student the basic motives by which all people are influenced and how to use these motives in acquiring necessities and luxuries of life. My question to you as a Black equity listener is, who controlled
0: your time? Who's wasting your time?
2: If you can figure out who is controlling your time, wasting your time, you've now found who is perceiving themselves to be your master.
0: Who trades time for money? There are some people out here who. Leverage their
2: time in order to attract money. They call it speaking gigs. I'm going to go out and go speak. And if I speak for this amount of time, you're going to pay me.
0: Nothing, you know, cool. Who's the master and who's the slave? In the same book that we're listening to or going over, he talks about in the interview
2: about not allowing anyone to control your time. And although speaking and engagements are really great, limit them as much as possible. Because who would really want someone who's giving unfiltered advice or unasked for advice? There are people here who are giving unsolicited advice on information they know nothing about. For example, y'all ever heard of when I was younger and I was trying to get into the wealth game and we talked about this guy a couple of weeks ago, Grant Cardone. He had a really great book back then. And I guess it's, I mean it could still be a good book. It was called The 10X Rule.
0: You ever, ever heard of this?
2: Let's see. It's been a long time since I've put Grant Cardone's name into a into a browser i did pull him up on instagram that day but i haven't it's been forever 10 oh grant cardone 10x your business 10x your income 10x 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 okay let's do this let's pull it up his whole thing is 10x right it's all about 10xing and look at it look at all the bells and whistles on the website and people love it Sign up for free real estate, live training, right? Cardone's own podcast, what industry leaders have to say. They've positioned themselves as industry leaders. So let's find, how do we find 10X stuff?
0: Free books, phones, coaching, money. Oh, there it is. 10X Growth Conference. The Diplomat Beach Resort. Look at it. They got all the rappers. I mean, if you're on Spotify, you can see.
2: Oh, you can buy the diamond package, the front row package. Retail is
0: $30,000. Wow. I mean, this is just what past speakers have to say, Kevin Hart,
2: John Travolta, Steve Harvey, Bethany Frankel, Ty Lopez, Damon John, Snoop Dogg, Little John, Rick Ross, Naveen Jane. And it's like this whole circle, Dana White, Sarah Blakely. It's like a whole circle of speakers and they all kind of, circle around each other they'll be on each other's podcasts, and all and once you start connecting the dots you start seeing who everybody is and so you have the 10x conference but it all started from this book that grant cardone did called 10x and i remember i was reading i remember listening to the audio book and reading about it and and it was a lot of really good stuff in it Here it is right here. It's on Amazon. So if you want to go purchase it, you can. I mean, I'm not trying to stop anybody from doing what they want to do. Here it is. The 10X rule, the only difference between success
0: and failure. The only difference. The 10X rule. Achieve massive action
2: results and accomplish your business dreams. While most people operate with only three degrees of action, no action retreat and normal action, if you're after big goals, you don't want to settle for the ordinary. To reach the next level, you must understand the coveted fourth degree of action. This fourth degree, also known as a 10X rule, is that level of action that guarantees companies and individuals real, realize the goals and dreams. The 10X rule unveils the principles of massive action, allowing you to blast through business and risk aversion while taking concrete steps to reach your dreams. It also demonstrates why people get stuck in the first three actions and how to move it into making the 10-H rule a discipline. Find out exactly where to start, what to do, and how to follow up each action you take with more action to achieve massive action results. Okay? I remember reading this book and I was thinking to myself, yeah, take 10-H. I was all in. I mean, this is... What, what year did this come out? 2011. I don't think it was that far. This might have been... It's 2022 now, we're looking at like 2015-ish, somewhere in there, kind of in the middle of when it came out and now, right? And I remember reading it and thinking, wow, this is powerful. And to see where it's grown to, now is a conference and people are, are begging to be speakers and they want to be all a part of it. They got things that are sold out. They're going to the beach resorts. I mean, this is just phenomenal.
0: Right? What if I told you? What if I told you that if you were 10Xing your income, you're actually being shortchanged? What if I told you that if you were to play that game, what if I told you if you were playing that game? You fail for the bait
2: what if i told you all the speakers and all the people who are leveraging their brand and their social proof to get on these 10x stages what if i told you all that you fail for the bait and if you fail for that bait that means you're a slave to that master and then if you are a slave to that master anybody who follows you would then be a slave as well
0: because you're their leader right Hmm. so let's look at this.
2: I wanna pull up a different share screen, if you don't mind. Now, I, I normally don't use this screen, so please bear with me. This, this will be the first time I ever use this screen. So let's see, let's say, how do I change my color? Okay, so let's say you have a $100,000 a year company and you times that
0: by 10X, right? X, 10, 10X. What do you have now? Right, Uh, I'll pull up my uh, handy-dandy
2: calculator here so you can see it. I think the calculator will show up. Let's pull up our calculator and let's see exactly. Uh, I, I, I know what the answer would be for this one, but I want to have the calculator
0: for the next couple of questions, right?
2: I want to show you something.
0: I want to show you what happens when you get shortchanged. And I almost fell for it. Here we go.
2: I don't know if you can see my calculator, but
0: I'll write it out. So if you have 100,000, if you have 100,000, and you times that, 100,000 times 10, you have a million dollars. That's interesting. You can't t- keep typing on here, so you'll have a million dollars, right? And that seems seems to be reasonable. And let's say, and it, it
2: can go up from there, right? So if you have. A 200,000, 300,000, whatever it may be. Okay. That's if you 10X it, which is what this person's telling you to do. So let's go back.
0: Let's share the whole screen here. Let's just share the desktop so we can get this all. Okay. So that's if. You 10X it. Well, 10X. This is what the book, 10X.
2: Go to extra, you know, go to extra, get the 10X, get the 10X results, 10X conference, right?
0: Well, how come the Bible says this? Why does the Bible say something
2: totally different? Deuteronomy. Sorry if I said that wrong. One and 11, which I do love this angel number here. I think about that all the time. Not only is this a great scripture, but it's one, one, one. May the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand
0: times. And bless you as he has promised. are these people who are running
2: on Grant Cardone, 10X stages, and they're speaking on it, and they, they sound so wonderful, and they're saying, 10X, 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 10X. And, you know, that was me. I mean, I, I was never on the stages, but I read the book, and I was like, yeah, 10X. I remember being in my car, man. And I was listening. Matter of fact, the audiobook I think Grant Cardone was reading. I remember listening to it and the excitement in it. And I remember riding through my riding through the city. And I'm like, yeah, we're gonna 10x it. And then I got home. And I did my own independent thought, my own independent research, and led me here. And God said, nah, homie. I got mm -mm, got something a little bit better than that. May the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he's promised.
0: So that same 100,000. Boom, 100,000.
2: He wants us to times that by a thousand. That's what it says. I didn't make this up. May the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. See if you listen to Grant Cardone you'll be 10x. If you listen to God you'll be 1000x. Somebody's shortchanging you. There are oh what's that quote? There's this quote out there that says it's one thing to not reach a high mark You know, you know, some would say, well, that's failure. You didn't reach the high mark, but it's even worse to have a low mark and reach it. We got to find that quote. (laughs) There's nothing worse than having a low mark and reaching it. Having a low mark and reaching it. If we could find that quote, I think that would help us out. Mm, Here it is, at least something similar. All right. The great danger, the greater danger, most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving your mark. So if you have a hundred thousand dollar business. You'll end up with a million dollar business. And most people would say, yes,
0: turn X, turn X,
2: right? That's what they would say. And,
0: and I get it. I get it. I really do. I get it. But God said,
2: and if you don't believe the Bible, then hey, that's fine. But it's something I'm going to build off of. May the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times. Not ten. So if I have a hundred thousand, you see the calculator here? I'm gonna times that by a thousand. Well, let's not even do a thousand yet. Let's do a hundred thousand dollar company or opportunity or whatever it is. And we're gonna times that by the 10 that Grant Cardone wants you to get. So if I go to the 10X conference, I got a hundred thousand dollar business. I sit down and listen to Grant Cardone and all these great speakers and they hire this person and that person and that person and they're 10X and they 10X, 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 If I follow that advice, I will have a million-dollar company. See it? And there are some people running around saying, I'm a millionaire, I got my million-dollar company, don't mess with me, I'm all that. Which is fine. you can think that. So if I if I go if I take my hundred thousand dollar company and get in an alignment with God and God does as He promised and that's a thousand times what He what He's promised, what do I get then?
0: Hundred thousand times a thousand? Oh my goodness! How many zeros is this? I got to write this down. One zero, then it's followed by three
2: zeros. One zero, 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 followed by another three zeros, followed by another zero. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight zeros. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight zeros. So if I have eight zeros, put a comma
0: there, put a comma there, whoop. This is a hundred million dollars. Wait a second. Wait one second.
2: If I go to the 10X conference and I'm listening to 10X speakers and people will have in their bios that they're multi-millionaires. I will be able to take my $100,000 company and turn it into a million. If I believe this logic, because you become what you believe. If I believe this logic, I will take my $100,000 company, make it into a million dollar company and walk out and say, well, I'm a millionaire. I did my TX. But if I follow God, Deuteronomy, one in 11, may the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousandfold. I now have a hundred million dollar company. And I know someone's saying, well, that's
0: not possible. Oh, really? Okay, let's look it up. List of
2: 100 million dollar companies. Let's see if it's possible. Who are, who are the hundred million dollar companies? If it doesn't exist, then maybe you're right. List of companies with seven million
0: dollar company data set. No, I want a hundred million. Here they are. Here they are. It's right on Forbes. Oh, this one's Money CNN.
2: These companies, if you're on Spotify, you can see the link. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read them all out loud. All these companies have a hundred. Million, wait, let's look. Revenues in millions. 100, 100, 100. Where does it stop at 100? I don't want to, I don't want to. Oh, there we go. So the, these first 51 companies, and these are all right on the fence. They're about to be $100 million companies. Started to read, oh, you know, the, the Chase Corporation, Spectrum, United States Lime and Mineral. A lot of these companies you've never even heard of. Bankrate, Globacom, Universal Insurance Holdings, Integra Med America. So you can't tell me, and this is just United, this
0: is America's fastest growing companies. We're not even talking globally, and this is a global podcast. The, the thing with being a
2: multi-millionaire, a multi-millionaire could just be two. It could be two million. Multi. Right? <laughs> y'all, y'all forcing my hands, y'all. I'm trying to... <laughs> multi-million definition. I would believe multi means two or more. costing or involving several million units of a currency a multi-million dollar advertising campaign. How many how many is multi-million? Having more than 2 million in the million range. So, 2. 2 is multi. So someone can have 2 million put in their bio that they are a multi-million dollar speaker and multi-million dollar company and it's 2 million. Okay? So I want to compare, and that is, I don't, I don't know, it could be 5 million, but let's compare what 2 million looks like versus 100 million illustration. I think this matters, not because money matters,
0: but perspective matters. I want to see what a million, 2 million versus, let's look. I wanna really see this. Is there a a graphic that shows you the difference between a million and two million or 100 million? There has to be. Oh, here we go. We're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. Visual
2: representation representation to show the true size of a trillion dollars.
0: So this is ten thousand dollars. that's a hundred million.
2: Oh, here's a million dollars in a hundred dollar bills. You see this guy right here at the top right <laughs> I can't y'all I can't so if I take my hundred thousand dollar company. And I listened to Grant Cardone and all his speakers and all the people who were standing on stage shouting out 10X. Just off that example, of course, I could have a million dollar company and it could be different, right? But just to use the 100000 which I think is a fair number. If I'm at a hundred, I got a hundred thousand dollar company, I walk in and I 10X it, I now have a million dollars. The top right would be how much I have in $100 bills. The one that is over here to the left, second down from the left is a hundred million dollar company. Do you see the difference? Do you see if you get caught in debate, if you get caught playing someone else's game, if you get caught in somebody else's ideology, if you get caught playing someone else's game, that's the difference between God's blessing and Grant Cardone's blessing or God's blessing, and someone else's game's blessing. They throw the bait at you, you eat it up, and you say, yes, 10x. And if you aren't careful, you'll think you won. So there are people running around with two of these, those two of those stacks of a million and saying, well, I'm a multi-millionaire. And they put it in their bio, and they say, I'm a multi-millionaire but there's companies out here with 100 million that don't even tell you that they're a $100 million company. Here's how you know somebody's a a master of money or a slave to it. Is it in their bio? Hmm?
0: Let's
2: look at it. There is these $100 million companies, right? Where where'd it go? Into look, they got hundred and ninety seven million dollars in revenue. Okay. Integra integra med healthcare.
0: Okay. I wanna pull up their website. Remember this quote, the greater
2: danger most of us lies, not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. I'm not saying you have to be a billionaire. I'm not saying that you're wrong for not having money. But when you start using the money to gauge your success, and I'll say that again in case we're having any Wi-Fi issues, because I know the screen was changing. When you start using money to gauge the success and you have it in your bio or in your list of accomplishments or in your social climate, when, when you being a multi-millionaire becomes the thing, you lose perspective of how small you are because to you, you've done the, the biggest thing. Here it is. The integramed to be bought by Cigar Capital for $169 million. I wanted to pull up Integramed America website, and I want to see when they pull up when when you're on the website, does
0: it say? Well, here it is. Does it say it's a multi million dollar company? It's it's a hundred and seventy million dollar company. Does it? Does it say that?
2: Integram Integra Med Fertility strives to provide excellence in patient care across our network of fertility clinics. We support participating partner practices. I'm not sure if this is the same place. Is this the same place? No, we, want, we, want, we don't want fertility. We want uh, the American one. This is a $100 million company. Oh, here it is. Website. There we go. Now I think they might have got
0: bought out, but let's see. Yeah, they don't even have the website up anymore. So let's use a different example. Let's use the next one down.
2: I just want to know. Oh, I guess it is that same fertility company. I just saw the other word
0: fertility. Data Link Corp. So let's pull, let's pull up Data Link uh, Corp. Here it is. And let's pull up the website. This is a hundred
2: and ninety five million dollar revenue company. Just
0: revenue. Does it say in their bio how much money they have? Here it is. About us. A daily corporation. Our team of network professionals stay focused on providing each
2: and every client with expert services associated with network cabling and wireless connectivity. Through a required continuing education and certification, our staff can support any organization with the following services: structured cable, voice, and data. And they go through it. This is a hundred. This is a company. This is a company at almost two hundred million in revenue. They don't mention it once. But then, if you have in your in your bio that you have multi
0: millions, that's your social proof. And people are people are being shortchanged by this concept. And what they want to do is they want to sit next to other people who are multi-millions and think that's the move. I'm going to say this again. Because it just... May the Lord,
2: the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised.
0: A thousand times. Don't play somebody else's game. Don't do it. I want you to decide for yourself what's the game you want to play.
2: Because if you don't, you'll be shortchanged by 990-fold. Do not shortchange your situation by playing somebody else's game That's how you lose. But you can't lose if you don't play. I always heard that you can't win if you don't play.
1: The department puts you in a case it doesn't want. You're giving people that are useless or untrustworthy. Correct. If you push too hard and any shit hits the fam, you'll be blamed for it. Correct. If you don't push hard enough and there's no arrest, you'll be blamed for that too. Correct. The game is rigged, but you cannot lose if you do not play.